from the left coast to the Great Lakes, welcome to Two Dads with Hats with your hosts, Jason and Brandon. Hey, Brandon, how you doing today, man? Jason, hey, how you doing? Good morning, good early morning on the left coast. It is quite early out there. I appreciate you getting up so early to do these recordings. And this week we have a special one. We've been planning this one for pretty much the entire six-month engagement, haven't we? We have. I am so excited to have our friend back. I actually, um, I woke up extra early to the light of the neon sun outside and got ready for this. Do you want to introduce our guest today? So, yes. Uh, well, I think the best way to introduce him, I, I have a prop sitting next to me here. I wanted to, I wanted to point out that I, <laughs> I purchased this book directly at the conference in Washington, D.C. when I got to see Manly for the third or fourth, fifth time. And yes, look at that. Brandon's been taking notes. I have the, the signed copy. So thank you again, Manly. I am absolutely thrilled to have Manly Feinberg back on the show, Two Dads with Hats. Manly, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. As you can see, we've been studying. I've got my notes. Occasionally, I'll, I'll post up something on social media as things I learn. Oh, that's it, awesome. Questions, why. So at some point, I'll have to uh, go to the next step with that. Thank you. That's the best compliment I think I've received all morning. <laughs> no, seriously, all, all month. When somebody, you know, it is, you work hard to try to do whatever you do in your life and then know that it's actually having some impact or influence or people actually listening in some way or reading in this case, then uh, that's, that's extremely rewarding. It is tremendous, Manly. And I, um, I'm only partway through it because I'm, I'm taking my time. I literally will just read one or two pages, maybe even a paragraph, take some notes in it and see how I can apply it. And then I'm going to see if at work, um, our, our manager's book club, if maybe we be they'd be willing to use this as one of the upcoming books. We're we're taking it a little bit slow. We're taking maybe a book a quarter what we're doing, yeah. and so I'm going to see if maybe in the next two quarters I can um, interest a few folks. I know some of our my colleagues are aware of you, and uh, even if they haven't seen you, so I think that there's a lot of applicability to this. I was wondering maybe Jason, do we have time for Manly to give us an update on how it's going with uh, the new message you have and how you're helping people since we last talked. Yeah, the, the last time that we spoke, Manly, we were talking about you were preparing to launch the book. Now I have it in my hand. That's pretty impressive that it's, it's launched. I wanted to hear some of the stories about the journey the last several months. What have you been up to? And what is, what is the impact of the fact that this thing is real and it's, it's manifested itself into reality now? Uh, thank you. Thanks for asking. Uh, it's going great. I um you know, it's interesting that the whole process was fascinating. I got to tell you, I think, and you all appreciate this as IT people specifically, uh, I spent so much energy in the corporate world implementing massive software projects that as far as a project, it really didn't feel that grueling as far. I mean, it was actually easy compared to, you know, implementing an ERP system or something and, and, and just about as long. It took like two years. So that part was, it wasn't as hard as I thought it'd be just the grind of it. Um, cause people were like, Oh, writing a book is awful. Uh, that said, I really am not ready to write another one for a long time. So, so <laughs> I shouldn't have mouth off here because I had a, a colleague. Yeah, a friend of mine said, uh, a speaking buddy said, well, you need to get busy on book number two. And I, I got literally got sick to my stomach. So I was like, no way. Are you kidding? Um, so, but what I did struggle with the most was uh, this year in particular. So once I got the book done, I actually had an advanced copy last fall, late, late in the fall. And then I just got so, I, this whole, 
the whole six months of this year for me have been really a struggle physically. Uh, I think it's where it was, has risen from and it drove kind of an emotional, like I would say anxiety or not a clinical level of anything, but I was in a real funk and just feeling uh, not courageous, feeling tired all the time physically. And then when you're, when I'm not, I don't know if y'all know this, but when you're physically tired, everything is amplified. So any little fear voices and all that BS in our head just is louder and so that was holding me back from letting people know about it. So when I was met with you guys last, I was like, all right, I've had, I think I'd put a date on the calendar. Like, okay, this is the day. And the publisher was on me like, you got to tell the world you have this book, get over yourself and put it on social media and whatnot. So since then I did that. And what's the really great thing is um, you all would probably say, duh, you know, people have been very receptive and very uh, supportive of it. A lot of people are buying it. So that's great. And getting, and most importantly, people are telling like you all, Tell me how much a difference is making for them. So and it's funny. People all get, you know, say, I knew you were a great speaker. I had no idea you were a great writer. And I said, I didn't know either. <laughs> so I just, I just tried really hard. And I, I brought it, I got, as you all know, my message of getting on belay, having people in your life and on your team to help you do what you need to do. I brought, uh, I brought in the best independent publisher I thought I could find um, and helped. They brought in the best editor they could find. And I brought other editors in to help me and uh, tried to get, as, as good a help as I could get on it. So I've had many, many people who even have a qualified opinion on right. Maybe they're writers or they're people who are editors or, and said, this is a really, really good work. Uh, and it's engaging. It's worth reading on its own just because of narrative. And then the tactical stuff is something that can, can help them with their life. So that's been a super pleasant and um, unexpected surprise. That's actually, apparently it's good and people are, and it's, I knew it'd be useful, but I didn't know that people would enjoy the, re, you know, the actual text of it reading in and of itself. So mm -hmm. I'm super psyched about that. Thanks for, thanks for asking. So doing cool. great. And uh, I kind of enjoyed how you're able to take snippets of the book. So certain lessons and, and dive into them pretty deep, especially when we see you at conferences, speaking as a keynote speaker. Um, can you share one of, we've talked about a couple of them. Can you share one of your favorite lesson that you've brought from the book to the stage and why is it your favorite? Thank, yeah. Thank you. The, for me, like for sure, the one, if you all said you were, say you have me in your organization for your annual meeting or whatever it is, or conference, you say, you know, we'll have you for 60 minutes, 90. And then I show up and for whatever it is, the agenda, let's say the, the CEO shows up tanked and <laughs> or he just goes on without notes, you know, no offense to those CEOs out there. Um, but we've all certainly gone on for too long in a meeting. For whatever reason, the time is cut. And then you say, Hey, you've only got a one minute or five minutes, one lesson. Sorry, we don't have time for all seven. What lesson would that be? Uh, the belay lesson, it's for sure for me, is the one I think is the most fundamental. And, and the reason that it, that is the key one is that for me, it's the one that's made the biggest difference. I actually just mentioned it. So the quick version of it is the belay is a word, B-E-L-A-Y, is the, the word used to describe how we uh, have each other's back when we're climbing. So you literally, someone has the rope in their hands for you and they're holding your life in their hands, which sounds very dramatic. It is dramatic. If you fall, not if, but when you fall, they have to just lock the rope off, which actually is a really simple mechanism. If you've ever repelled, it's the exact same mechanism as repelling. It's a way that you introduce friction on the rope. And it will literally, my, when my kids were little, they could stop me from falling with a good belay. So it, it um, the way it's designed is you can stop two or 3,000 pounds of force on the other end of the rope with just a simple holding your hand in a certain position. Mm -hmm. It does take attention and presence. It takes uh, you giving the person enough rope so that they can move 
and you don't hold the person back, which is something I know, you know, micromanagers uh, will do that uh, intentionally or unintentionally or parents uh, will, will, or friends will kind of smother or hold, hold people back. That's the equivalent in the real world. And then the other thing that goes on a lot is often if the belay or the belayer is not paying attention, they'll give you too much slack, which is where you have too much rope out. And that usually will freak out if the lead climber, the one on the other end of the rope notices, they'll freak out and say, hey, dude, you got too much rope out. Take some rope in. Uh, I used to give too much slack in my business life, especially, and with my parenting. I was thinking a lot about that coming up to this episode with you all. Uh, there are areas where I have too much slack for sure with my kids. I let them, I'm, I'm one of those more laid back parents mm -hmm. and too much slack is a problem because inevitably they're going to fall. It's just, it's not a matter of if it is when, if we're pushing ourselves in our life, I feel like we're always going to have moments when we fall. So then when you fall with the too much slack out, when you're climbing, you fall too far and you can really hurt yourself uh, or at least scare the hell out of you. So <laughs> it's not good either way. And in life, that's the key too. So the takeaway is for, uh, it's really simple. And I'll just give you the, of the three pieces I usually use in a the framework, there's a, the one that I think um, if, if most important for people is to reach out and, and find somebody in their life that they think might need uh, a helping hand or an assistance or just to touch base with. They, I call it getting on belay. Is every day of your life, if you, what if you woke up every day and you said, you know, I'm going to pick one person today to reach out to and let them know they're on my mind. I'm thinking of them. This could be in a work context. And I really encourage people to not let vertical and horizontal boundaries in a work life as an example be uh, limiting. So maybe it's your boss or the boss's boss or someone in a different department or division or location. And you can just send them a quick text message or in person's best, of course, but say, hey, I was thinking of you, got your back. You know, what's, what's going on? How's that project going? It can be very direct and business-like. But if you're intentional about that, that's the problem I've found is that most people are not as intentional about it and consistent outbound. We all have email and people, and people say, oh, I connect with people all day long. What do you mean? But in outbound with intention and, and consistent, uh, it makes a huge difference. The cumulative effect of that, uh, that consistent and meaningful relationship building is uh, amazing the effect it's going to have in your life. So that's the main lesson, I think, above all else that I wanted to share. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Manly. And I'm glad that you, you connected it directly to parenting because that's how I've used it as well. Reflecting on my parenting style, I'm a relatively new parent. You know, my twins are six, almost seven, and I have a two-year-old son. So I'm learning. I, I love the difference between those age ranges because I get a chance to, to remember how the twins were when they were two. And I, I apply, I kind of almost have like a second chance. I get yeah. to apply some of the lessons I learned from, you know, five years ago. And uh, that's exactly the point that I think is important for parents to hear, especially fathers, especially mm -hmm. single fathers like myself and like Brandon, where do we have, are we giving our kids too much slack or are we holding on too tight? And I've seen this example played out through and through when I'm out at a restaurant or when I'm observing people out in the wild, as we would say, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's really fascinating to see the difference between how parents react to mm -hmm. what kids are doing. And this lesson applies directly. Most recently, I was, uh, we were swimming at my mom's place with the kids. And my two-year-old, we were in a confined place indoors. My two-year-old was running around, and there was a, basically a glass wall. So he would go from the room we were in to the outside of the glass wall. And he couldn't go anywhere. I knew he was just standing right there. I could see him. Mm. And I knew that I was very calm. And I was like, he's right there. There's nothing bad that's going to happen. And the initial reaction is usually, oh my God, get back over here because you're not 
with me. I need to hold on to you real tight. And I, I thought that was an example where I, I applied that lesson that I learned from you. And I said, you know what? He's fine. I didn't give him too much slack, mm. but I knew that he had the right amount of freedom. And that was the point where I realized that kids, especially little kids, love that freedom, the mm. ability to, to explore and to just enjoy the world around them. Yeah. Teenagers do too, just so you know. <laughs> I'm preparing for that. Mine are uh, Manly version 3.0 is now 16. Lizzie is 15, my daughter. And he'll Manly will be 17 in August. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it becomes, I think when they're that age, it was easy. Looking back, you know, the, the Slack thing was a little easier because it's, I mean, I, you can still screw it up. But um, right now I'm really, I don't know, because then they are out of sight, literally. Like they're running around. He's running around in a car, which freaks me out, of course, because I think of all the stupid things I did and we all probably did in our cars when we were 16. But you can't hold them back. You know, you can't, you can't, you hold them too tight and they're not going to be able to move and they've got to learn and explore. Man, I don't know. Where, you know, I saw years ago, I saw this gal. It was a, she was a, actually for parents out there. This is a person I would look up and I read one of her books. I bought two of them and I only read one of them just to be transparent. Her name was Nancy Samlin. I think it's S A M L I N, I believe Nancy Samlin. Mm -hmm. And she's a noted parent, uh, parenting author. And she had had four, five, six books on parenting. Local private school had her as an open night, um, open invitation speaker. And I went. She, uh, the first thing she said, like the first five minutes for opening, she said, it's the one job that once you're finally qualified and you know what in the world you're doing, you're out of work. <laughs> said, it takes 15, 20, 30 years to figure it out. And then they're gone. And, you're, and then she said, but the good news is you get it. You get to do over. You get to apply it all as a grandparent, hopefully one day. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it really, I mean, we're just figuring it out. Right. And it just sits in the, the grand experiment. I, Sometimes I'll tell people, you can screw your kids up. I, I'm, if they look at me funny, like they don't agree with my parenting. Like, you know, it's my kid. I can screw him up however I want to. So, so leave me alone. But, uh, yeah. it's tricky. I was, I was uh, first of all, I just made a reminder for myself every day to uh, reach out to one person and say, I have your back. Uh, so uh, we'll let you know, um, let you know if anything, you know, with feedback as we go forward, you know, next time you're on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and second, I found, a, I stumbled across a, a post I put on social media six, seven, a long time ago, six, seven years ago. And it said, every relationship needs a, a chill spouse with the kids. I am not that spouse. Uh, yeah, that helps. That helps to balance it. And so I think I've, I think over time though, Manly, I've had to adjust and hopefully do an okay job with having their back as opposed to helicoptering. Mm -hmm. So what you said really applied for me. Mm -hmm. Patience is the biggest thing for me is I think was that it underlines that whole thing, that whole part of that tension and that struggle is, especially when they're younger and, and older, just being patient with them and, um, you know, choosing your battles. That's the biggest challenge I've had. I think I was, I was thinking about this uh, conversation we're going to have is, uh, one of the three, I thought of three C's, <laughs> I can't help but frame up stuff as a, in something that people hopefully remember, but um, one of the, I don't know about you all, it'd be interesting to talk about. What the, one of the biggest challenges I've had is being, uh, you know, choosing, choosing battles uh, and being patient about taking a deep breath. And I'm with you, Brandon. I'm, I, I, you all know me. I'm very, um, I, I don't know how you perceive me externally, but most people perceive me as like, man, you're so laid back and chill. And they have a hard time imagining me getting really fired up. And I actually have a real warrior side that, that comes out. And uh, with my kids in particular, I probably get the worst of it. And uh, I, I do lose it with my kids 
a lot. I don't know about a lot with the frequency, what that number is, but I feel like more than I wish I had, you know, I wish I had been more calm. And, uh, you, you all ever seen the movie casino with Richard, uh, when, with, a uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Yeah. So, you know, classic gangster movie. It's awesome. Joe Pesci plays Joe Pesci as usual. He's with the wide open, flying off the handle, stabbing people in the throat with pins. And, and De Niro plays like this awesome gangster who's just like, just so chill. So I remember this one scene, he walks up to the guy in the casino and he goes, we're going to, you're going to leave the casino now. And we're going to use your head to open the door on the way out. And something to that effect. I'm probably screwing up, but he's so chill. And he just says it and looks at him with like this cold stare and he's, he's, uh, he's just like ice, but he's so, he just lays it down, even killed voice. It's one of those people in your life when they speak up, you know, that parent or that uncle or that f- figure in your life or teacher who's, who said something, they never lost their cool. When they say it, you're like, oh, and everybody gets in line. I am not in Robert De Niro in, in my parenting. I wish I was. I'm trying to be more, but yeah, that's, that's a tricky one for me. I'm with you. That's so important though. So that I really appreciate you sharing that because it put it very real for me and I'm moving into that. So mm-hmm. one is choosing your battles, right? Choose them. What's number two? You have three. Um, the first one I, in the list, actually I had three C's yeah. that choose your battles was last, but it doesn't really, oh. not really have to be in a certain order, but um, that's yeah. when it came up for uh, communication is an obvious one, right? Everybody says that you got to communicate their mate to make a, you know, make it work and your children. But specifically the aha I've had with that, actually I shared this, I think at a conference we were at together in a session uh, talking, it was a communication or, you know, customer service focused session. And I was so hard headed with us, with my users and, and people I supported in the IT industry and business partners to some extent. I know I've heard this before. People say, well, you know, I email mailed them and, and that's how it goes. Or they're supposed to put that in the ticket system. They know how to document in ticket system, but they, they didn't document the ticket system. And I remember my CIO pushed back on me some. He's like, well, what, what method do they prefer? I said, well, I don't know. Usually, you know, such and such usually answers the phone, but they won't answer email. He said, well, call them. I said, but yeah, but, you know, but the standard operating procedures are supposed to, it's supposed to be this. He's like, I don't care what the standard operating procedure is. Meet them where they are. You know, I think we get so hard-headed and on – you know, especially in the business world, and we'll shift this right back to personal. Like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. This is the procedure. Who, who cares, right? If we're really serving the person, what's more important? So, in parenting, I did the same thing. So, uh, I, you know, I have we have email, text, got the phone, kids, the fanciest iPhone we could get them, and you know, and then they wouldn't. Um, I said, Why don't you answer my emails? They had like emails for dinosaurs. What is email, <laughs> right? So. And then, and this is how we were texting them and texting. I thought texting was pretty, pretty hot and, you know, pretty good technology. And uh, they're like, dad, nobody texts. You got to Snapchat us if you want a response. Here's <laughs> another Snapchat. Yeah. Now there's another parental angle right here. You're like, Hey, look, if I'm assuming we're all paying for their cell phone, you better, you know, if I call you, you better answer the phone. Yeah. Lizzie, my daughter is really good about that. Hmm. When I'm on the road and I call her, she answers the phone. She's the only person in my whole life that answers the phone every time I call, which is remarkable. But generally, they won't respond to us if we, unless we actually um, Snapchat. So I fought this, I fought this, I fought this. And you know, my message to this, this conference was like, quit fighting it. And whatever your, your channel, your business partner, users, clients, prospects, whatever that is. And actually, in my CRM system now, I have a dropdown that we use. It says, what is their preferred channel of communication so that we're trying to contact with an existing client or past or prospect talk talk to them on the channel they're listening to they seem to be paying attention to and get over yourself and quit so i finally got over myself sorry fine i'm gonna get this damn snapchat app 
installed and I did. And it's for me, it's so, I know I'm old now because it's not that intuitive to me. And they're like, it's easy to use that. <laughs> it's not that easy. No, it's not so weird easy. to me. I'm like, so I started using Snapchat and sure enough, they're, they're paying attention. They're communicating with me more. And, uh, so yeah, so communication on the channel that, that they actually, they actually are, are connected with that applies to and from grandpa down to, down to your, your child, uh, in any aspect of life, it just, quit trying to make them listen and talk on your channel and tune into their channel. So that was a kind of a duh, but the, the other C is consistency for me. I'm not a very anal attentive person. I'm pretty, pretty, not very rigid. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, that's been hard for me. So, you know, being consistent and telling them you're ground, that goes back to picking your battles too. And you tell them you're, you're grounded for a month <laughs> and then not ground, you know, not being consistent with what I say. So yeah, that's tricky. That speaks to the lesson about integrity that we learned many years ago in business, but it applies most with most often with kids. If you're not consistent and you don't have that follow up and do what you say, what you're going to do, you know how, you know what happens next. They don't listen to you anymore. They just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Huh. And Jason, and I've talked about this too, is consistency. Um, you know, a large number of parents are single parents or divorced parents or divorced spouses you know, whatever you want to call it, the kids have two houses. So Jason and I have talked about this where uh, with my kids, you know, early on, uh, they're, you know, my daughter would ask, uh, you know, can I do this? And I'd say, well, what do you do at your mom's house? Mm. We're going to do the same thing at mom's. That's, that's great. Uh, with a lot, with a lot, it doesn't mean everything. You, you know, you might eat different things, but, but it's key things like what, what TV you're allowed to watch or, you know, what things you can do. Um, we wanted to, and so, you know, we've tried very hard, um, even though we, we're, we're not a couple, we're still parents of our of the same kids. So we tried to communicate on those things. And I think the consistency applies in, in personal. It does. I wouldn't, I was a kid who went through a bunch of divorces growing up and that's, uh, you know, it's so important to not undermine each other and that's so easy to do. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Something else too, I want to mention too, for everybody out there that's listening, who's not maybe a parent, uh, as far as you know, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Glad you got that little joke there. People ask me how many kids you have. I say I have two that, I, as far as I know, I'm so, laughing here. I'm laughing. If you laugh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of not. But anyway, yeah. uh, but almost everybody has children in their life, or they have children that uh, they could influence. And so, what's really cool about those of you who are listening who maybe don't have your own kids is there's opportunities for you to influence and impact children's lives in a very powerful way. Because as you all, we all know, often we'll listen to people outside of our parents more than we will. Uh, you know, the actual parents. So you have the ability to get through and connect in a way that parents struggle to. So uh, you're not off the hook. Uh, if you, if you don't have kids of your own, then uh, I encourage you to, to try to build more meaningful relationships with children in your lives and, um, and be a great influence. It's a, it makes a huge difference. We could do one more thing. Manly, I, I was wondering, are you a fan of the, uh, the sport of golf? Are you a golf fan? Ah. That's funny you ask. Um, I was just having a conversation this morning before we got on here. I, I played golf in high school for four years. I lettered. I was not very good at it, but the, the, what you had to do to letter was not a very uh, high threshold. I actually got a hole in one against our rivals one time, and then I, I quit golf. Uh, thought I better quit while I was ahead. And I haven't played in 27 years. So do you all remember Lori Guest by chance from Fusion uh, last year? I don't know if you were at the Fusion conference. 
I wasn't there. I don't know. He was, but I'm not sure. Closing keynote speaker from the Fusion Conference. And uh, anyway, she's a good buddy of mine. And she talked me into playing golf with her at our National Speakers Association Conference this summer. So I'm going to play in a scramble. And they're all harassing me. They're like, he hadn't played in 27 years. And somebody said, oh, I didn't know Manly played golf on this Facebook group. And uh, that's really cool. And and Lori said, that's the problem. He doesn't play golf. He hadn't played in 30 years. So I'm going to dust off the clubs literally and get back at it. So. The answer is yes and no, I guess. It's amazing how those golf clubs are good at collecting dust. That and uh, old movies and bowling balls, they all kind of they collect dust better than other things. Um, yeah. The reason why I ask is because the U.S. Open is in Wisconsin right now. Ah. Father's Day weekend. It's a beautiful Aaron Hills golf course that they kind of That's cool. they've readied for this event. And uh, I wanted to also ask you, what is your favorite Happy Gilmore? I'm sorry. What is your favorite Happy Gilmore movie? What is your favorite Adam Sandler movie? <laughs> Hoping you would say Happy Gilmore. Oh, you know, I um, probably I, I saw Happy Gilmore. I don't know why I don't remember it as well. Mm-hmm. I, and I haven't. I'm not a huge. I like him. Uh, the one that pops in my mind though is a Waterboy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> college football. Football. <laughs> maybe, maybe the first one I saw of him for whatever reason it stands in my mind. It was pretty funny. And he's he, I liked. It. And then the piece of crap car is the you know one of my favorite. Favorite song. song, and you play guitar. So, have you ever played yeah. that song on guitar before? No, but I should learn it. It's Let's, fun. We'll learn it together. I just got my guitar back from the shop. It's all clean. Cool. Looks like brand new now. Cool. We'll do a duet the next time. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that duet. That will be awesome. Back and singer with a tambourine. Yes. Cool. How hey, fun. Jason. No, I know we're rapping, but I just noticed maybe because it's early in the morning. You have a hat on from California that looks familiar. This is an authentic Californian hat. It's my only one that I have in my possession. And uh, I was trying to make a, uh, a baseball reference earlier, and it, it flew over your head because we, we talk a lot about that I don't understand college football and you don't understand baseball. We just, we're on opposite ends of the country, opposite ends of the sports world. And uh, thank you. You got me this hat when we met up in Colorado. Um, and... And I, this is the first time I'm wearing it, so thank you for giving me the gift. And now I need to go to an Angels game. Never been. You got to come out here, man. And my hat I chose today was uh, is actually has this little – it's a prana hat, but it's a symbol. I think it somehow has something to do with breathing. And it actually has something – for me, it connects back to the father uh, you know, theme of the day. And uh, I know, I think maybe before, I can't remember if we talked about habits. In, my, in the book, I talk a lot about habits. And one of my seven essential habits every day is to connect with my, my children and my wife. And uh, I call it my 3D, 3L moment. And part of that is breathing and being really present. But the 3D piece is just if I'm traveling, which I do a lot, I try to, I, uh, text message doesn't count. I have to have a voice conversation or ideally a video conversation. So it needs to be in 3D. But I have the, the three L's uh, are maybe of value to people. Um, that I learned the hard way that the first L is let them create it on their terms. So especially at home, like I have this idea of how I want to spend time with my kids and what I want to do. And then especially as they get older, it, it's on their terms. So I have to, you never know when they want to connect. Right. And I have to just let that happen. And then the way in which they want to connect. So my son is excited about something that maybe I'm not interested in dad, dad. So I just have to let it be what they want it to be right then and take it. Uh, that somebody gave me that advice years ago, but it took me learning the hard way. And then the second L is to listen more than I talk because we're parents, right? We, we lecture a lot. And so I try to consciously literally when they start going, I'm like, just listen, listen, be present, listen. And then the third L is an easy one usually is to just shower them in as much love as possible and, and, and 
acknowledgement and all those things that love is. Um, so I'm working on that. I actually literally track that on a habit app to make sure that that's uh, something I do every, try to do it every day. And it doesn't happen every day, unfortunately. But uh, one of my little, you know, struggles and pursuits of being a better parent, uh, that's, that's my core thing that uh, I thought it might be worth sharing to people out there that uh, maybe are in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manly, can you share the name of that habit app? I, yeah, I it's, yes, I'd love to. Um, it's called I Run, You Run. And the U is just the letter U. So the letter I run, the letter U run. It's super simple and it's almost too simple. I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a metrics guy. I wish it had better reporting, but it's what it does do really well. It's, and I've been using it now for almost three years. And so uh, really, really standing the test of time. It's not a honeymoon effect here, but it, it really is good. It just lets you pick up to seven habits and how many days a week you want to do them. And then it weights them. You can put high, low, medium, high priority. And you're trying to hit a score of a hundred every year. So it's got a gamification built in. Mm-hmm. You're trying to beat yourself every week. And that's it. That's the best person to beat. That's the, the method for growth right there. Beat yourself every week. I like that. Well, Manly, this is, this was absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you have an action packed weekend coming up for father's day, spending time oh, yeah. with your kids. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Um, Again, just thank you for being on our show today. This is really special, and, and I really I really wanted you to have you on the show for Father's Day. I'm so glad it worked out. Thank you, guys. Seriously, I'm huge. that's a, a huge honor. I really, really, really appreciate it. Happy Father's Day, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. All Happy right, Father's Day, gentlemen. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Bye now.